0: and welcome back to the learn to code podcast today's episode is going to be about web development servers Uh, as you may know i've been currently working as a backend developer for around a year now Um, uh, the start of um, by the end of uh, october last year i was hired by one bank and uh, although i didn't serve there uh, for a long time the truth is that i learned a lot about what I need to actually do and learn in in order to develop myself as an actual backend developer, so I was playing around with technologies like Python um, back in the day uh, Python was new to me. I was able to pick it up pretty quickly because it was required for the um, admission exam so basically if i don't if i didn't um, I, if I wasn't successful by doing their admission exam, uh, they required me to uh, basically create a RESTful API by myself, and um, I actually did it. Thankfully, so I was uh, admitted. Um, uh, and I explained um, in past episodes what happened uh, back then and why I did uh, and why I basically just quit the job. Uh, but uh, I was determ- uh, my determination to learn how to properly do the job and beyond uh, allowed me to basically break through a lot of barriers, like um, front-end development, not just back-end. I was able to learn how to build the entire uh, project by myself, and I'm talking about websites. And another thing that I learned to develop was back-end. Uh, RESTful APIs, basically back-end services. Um, so I was able to create APIs that allow me not just to serve data to my front-end applications on the web. Uh, this is websites. I also learned that you can actually use the very same APIs, RESTful APIs in my case, to serve data to other applications, not just websites. Um, the difference is that in the case of a website, you render the website on your server, you create the code uh, to be served as HTML and CSS. And basically the website is being rendered at the, at the web server itself. And then you serve that p- web page to the client. In the case of other applications, like for example, uh, being the most common the mobile applications in iOS and Android, um, they basically do calls to the RESTful APIs or any other API type for for that matter. And uh, when, let's say that uh, an iOS application is asking for some data to a remote API running on a server, Uh, the server is no longer needed to render a web page. The server can just send back the required, the requested data back to the client using um, a JSON document. And the front end developer picks this up and basically uh, picks up the the data that he needs or she needs and then you can draw something on your application Um, that part the the part of the front-end development on the ios side and the android side for that matter i don't really uh, understand Uh, i haven't i haven't learned how to develop um for android or ios yet although i had learned a lot about java the truth is that I haven't uh, at least tried to develop something on the Android platform or the iOS platform. My excuses been one, I don't own a Mac uh, or I didn't own a Mac back then. I do now, uh, so I wasn't able to uh, learn uh, Swift uh, or produce any other um, prototypes or play with the technology. Uh, I do own one right now, uh, provided by the company I'm working for. Um, and although I learned Java, I used just Java for what it is instead of using Java as a learning tool to build um, applications for Android. So I, I, I fell in love with Java itself for a long time. Around a year and a half, I was developing programs from, for my own use in my, in my previous job. So basically, I was building tools in Java for myself, uh, for auto-consume. And I, uh, I grew pretty uh complacent back then so uh, Java combined with the power of databases and SQL and I um and I was able to do a lot of things uh without my, that that require me to actually do them in person before um and and now I was able to just create a program in Java in person models or and basically just a Uh, create this very complex software that allow me to use the data stored in databases to to process that data and create whatever I wanted. So um, very beautiful stuff that is Java. And um, uh, after that, I went to work on Python. And, um, well, uh, I'm rambling again. Well, the thing is that I want to talk about uh, development servers. When I was learning uh, back on January, 2020, that's around uh, six or seven months ago before the pandemic hits the world, or at least Mexico, um, I decided to learn uh, the role of a full stack web developer. Uh, I watched several courses. Uh, The three main ones were uh, a full stack web developer, web developer course by Angela Yu at Udemy, uh, really good course. It is not perfect, it's lacking in a, especially in the SQL database area, but that's why you get other courses to complement your learning. Uh, uh, so one thing that, I, uh, that that is pretty common among all these courses is that they decide to install um, the software required to run a web server on your local computer. And this is a very common practice among web developers. Uh, The thing is that it's very inefficient in the sense that if you are using a laptop, more likely than not, uh, a lot of this um, software is always running uh, unless you take extra steps to make sure that the next time you restart your computer, you are not running uh, whatever web server you you decide to use. For example, um, I don't know, Samba maybe. Uh, I mean... uh, you are using let's say um, an apache web server or an nginx web server you may be using that for running your websites uh, or or allow yourselves to test a web server on your local machine maybe a database engine uh, like sql maybe you are installing several um, different database engines postgres oracle whatever you want uh, mongodb and as you keep installing these tools and these uh, and these dependencies on your local computer, your little laptop is going to start to bloat because all of this um, software is requiring you to spend your resources, RAM, processing power from your CPU. Sometimes even network. And most of the time, you are bloating your installation. It it and then it's, uh, developers are surprised that their their, uh, their $1,000 computer is not running properly. Well, I'm not really surprised because you are installing a lot of services and software that is meant to run on a server, on an actual server by their own, not next to competing technologies. So uh, anyway, so uh, is there a solution for this? Uh, yes, uh, there is. Uh, there is another problem, uh, before I, I get to the solution, uh, another problem is the the recurrent meme of well uh, here is my source code I finish it um, I delivering this to you now you install it on your on your web server for production and and the devops guy is going to pick up that source code and is going to try to make it run and more likely than not uh, if he fails then he's going to ask the developer, okay, so uh, look, your software doesn't seem to be running properly. And the developer is going to say, well, it, it runs okay on my computer. And and he leave it at that. So that's not an actual answer <laughs> that you should be giving to your colleagues. So um, this problem uh, has been solved in the past by the the virtualization technologies, especially Docker where you can basically create an, an ISO image of your virtual machine. Uh, and that virtual machine is basically a web server, in this case, or a development server. And on that um, image, you are installing not just the, the, uh, the kernel or the operating system itself. You are installing all the dependencies, all the software required. And this machine also has already been configured to run your software successfully. So uh, what I'm going at is that the solution will be, you know what, you don't really need to install all of that software in your, and bloat your laptop or or bloat your whatever desktop computer you are using. Uh, you can just create a virtual machine, install the web server software required to run your software there in the virtual machine, and then use a virtualization technology um, to mount that virtual machine and have access to the web server. In this case, it's a virtual machine uh, running on your computer. So it's less bloated and it's only going to be loaded when you need it. So whatever service you are installing there, database engines, uh, web servers, whatever it is, is going to run only when you need it to run. Uh, This is very useful not just to it's not just to allow you to 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 let your laptop not be bloated. Basically, uh, it's really useful because you can just share this single um, file, this image of the your builder computer, with another developer or an integrator or a DevOps guy. Basically, you can give it uh, get him or her uh, the ISO image and that person is going to be able to mount that on his or her computer, or basically just deploy it directly into production without any problems. Um, Most of the time people use Docker, but I do think that Docker does have a very steep learning curve. That's why I use, uh, and uh, and another issue that I found is that the list of compatible operating system is quite limited. Many software developers uh, resent that a little bit. So, uh, and uh, the thing that I use for my personal taste is Vagrant. Um, The difference is is basically an easier, an easiest way uh, to do the job of virtualization and and creating containers. Uh, But in this case, Vagrant does not have uh, a virtual technology on its own. It needs another tool. Uh, the most common one is Oracle VirtualBox, uh, but I do understand that you can use KVM on Linux with Vagrant to do pretty much the same thing. Uh, Vagrant is a command command line tool. I do really recommend it. Uh, if you want, you can go to the notes of this episode for a link to the, for, for the Vagrant website and you can learn more there. Uh, but basically with Vagrant and Oracle VirtualBox or KVM, I am able to create, um, uh, how do you call it, a web server in a safe way and quick way. It's actually really quick to do. I don't have to spend hours upon hours uh, installing and uninstalling software on a Linux image. These Linux images are already already built. You just use them. Uh, I do use uh, the Ubuntu server images for background. Uh, They are pretty lean. Um, basically you pick up this, um, this uh, stripped down distribution of Linux uh, for use as a web server. And since you are connecting to a virtual machine, you are actually going to use your network to communicate to this machine. This is really good because it's going to, your software is going to actually talk to a web server using your network. Although this may be a virtual network, or your actual network, it doesn't matter. Um, Your web server is going to be running on your network and this allows you to actually test this in an actual network. So whatever issue is going to come up um, on the implementation stage, you can actually test it out here beforehand. So um, a lot of people are still installing uh, their server software on their own computers and I have nothing against that, but The truth is that the ease of use and the many advantages of using virtual web servers or virtual machines uh, as your development server are so great that I don't see the case of getting back to installing all the software on my development computer and so on and so forth. I only need to install Vagrant. I only need to install um, whatever virtualization technology you prefer. You can use VMware. You can use... uh, KVM, as I mentioned, Oracle, VirtualBox, whatever you like, and it should be working just fine. Uh, the, the virtualization technology comes, um, uh, comes apart from Vagrant. So that's the that's a plus that Vagrant is actually bringing to the table by being less uh, because um, VirtualBox, uh, I mean, Docker does provide some virtualization uh, on its own and Vagrant doesn't but in this case that becomes a feature on vagrant because you are allowed to use whatever you want and the learning curve for use vagrant is really low that's another thing uh, and another plus is that you do have a, a very wide um, variety of operating system to choose from um, many times software developers do have their own specific and preferred operating system or even Linux distribution. So not everyone is happy using the bash console. Uh, some people like to use the Fedora one, um, the Fedora server version. Um, uh, so they are free to do whatever they want uh, as as long as they uh, use your dependencies in their system. So basically uh, they can keep whatever operating system they like or distrib- or Linux distribution they want and install your software there or your dependencies. Uh, So, and your software should be working just the same. Um, Basically this episode is about talking about the benefits of using a virtual machine as your development web server or whatever server you want, or even a client, why not? You can actually create maybe um, a really small client, virtualize that client and, and use that client to run tests on your actual servers on your actual web servers. Maybe you want to make bots to, you know what? All these machines are going to be uh, poking at the API and see how it responds to a volume, like uh, some sort of volumetric uh, test of some sort. Anyway, thank you for coming in. And I should be working this weekend on, I am still working as a, uh, as a watchman on the weekends now, uh, just on the weekends. So I get uh, that, litra- that little extra money. Uh, I I almost 40 years old. I am pretty much uh, uh, like uh, six months away from my 40 year old anniversary, I guess, my birthday, and and I don't own a house yet, so I'm very worried about that. So my next objective, my financial objective, is going to be to buy a house, and I am actually planning to buy one at Mexico City. It's I wonder if if not a house, maybe an apartment uh mexico city is not really a good place to be living on but there is a lot of money there and my job actually is going to bring me there so um well that's pretty much it i guess thank you for coming in and see you tomorrow